All right, welcome back, beautiful people. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Danielpour. And firstly, I wanted to thank our listeners and viewers uh, for all the feedback that we've received. Keep it coming. We love hearing from you. Um, these Some of the questions that you asked, these are how we come up with our podcast. And today is an exact example of one of those. And so um, the idea for today, you know, a patient had asked about some of the uh, post-recovery things that are really associated with rhinoplasty, but it can really apply to many different surgeries. And so I think today what we'll do is we'll kind of answer some of these common questions and uh, kind of give you some pro tips to sail through it. Because look, we understand for us, surgery is easy. We perform it and, uh, and you leave. Although the challenge of the surgery may always be there on the day of, but afterwards it's you, the patient who is recovering or a family member, or a loved one. And so sometimes we need that little extra information that can make the entire process easier. And I think that rhinoplasty is a good one because unlike a lot of the operations we do, it's done on the central part of your face, you breathe through your nose, mm -hmm. you wake up and you have a cast and may, may really have a very beaten up, swollen face, maybe mm -hmm. black and blue around the eyes. And if it's me, listen, I would go crazy because I have rhinorrhea or my, my nose tends to run because I have really bad allergies. I wouldn't know what to do mm -hmm. because I don't know how to blow my nose. Do I put something up my nose? How do I sleep? Can I turn to the left? What do I eat? Um, how do I go to the bathroom? When can I shower? Like there's so many things. And the interesting part is we do tee everyone up really well, but there's still a ton of questions after that we may not think about because neither Dr. Lake or I have had 99.9% .9 of the procedures or really all of them, never had a rhinoplasty. So I wouldn't know, mm -hmm. even though I want to give the recommendations. So I think this will be a great way for people that are thinking about doing this to be overly prepared. Yeah, listen, uh, you, you know, you alluded to that we really give detailed instructions beforehand. Not only do we do it, but also our consultant does it. And then at the end of the case, the nurse does it. And mm -hmm. so the idea is, um, there are three separate people that are telling you hmm. to do some of the same thing. So if we don't get it at that point, then we haven't been paying attention. But we also have it written down for you. So, And every surgeon's got their own post-operative instructions. Sure. And so I'm not saying that these are the best ones, but they've happened to work well for me over the last 15, 16 years. And uh, I think that patients are very comfortable. And some of the things we just don't think about... And so it was interesting to me when this patient had uh, given me these questions. Some patients come in, they give you a list of questions, they write down the answers, and they are very in tune with what's happening. Others say, look, I don't want to know, give me the basics. Um, you know, so the entire idea is I'm going to give you an all-encompassing view on the way I see post-operative uh, rhinoplasty and some other surgeries that this will apply to, and hopefully it works for you as well. Sounds and, awesome. You know, obviously anyone undergoing surgery, listen to your surgeon because they may have slightly different rules or tips or tricks. Um, but I'll try to tell you some of the ones that uh, that have worked for me. So, and, and don't just do anything on your own. If you don't know for certain if it's okay to do something, yes. reach out to the consultant, to your surgeon. Um, you know, we've got an app that you can directly reach the doctors 
you know, just don't go and do something because it can really affect your results. Oh, yeah. I've had patients that have taken their own stitches out. I've had patients <laughs> that have removed splints. I've had patients that have done some crazy things uh. despite the instructions. So we're just telling you, listen, uh, you, you can lead a horse to water, yeah. uh, you know, but... But when it comes to surgery, it's really important uh, mm -hmm. to listen to the person because the the surgeon because they have a plan for you Agreed. and they want the best possible outcome. And things can happen when you deviate from that routine. So you know, here is one of the things: what to expect the first week in recovery for different types of surgery. So if we look at separate nose procedures, uh, is it for tip reshaping, full rhinoplasty? septorhinoplasty, or when we're doing turbinate reductions or anything else inside uh, for function to help improve breathing. So I would say that if we're performing just a tip plasty, it's probably one of the easiest things that we do. Um, you can do it through a closed or open approach. That means whether there's an incision between the nostrils or they're all hidden within the nose. And the idea is that we're just going to narrow the tip ever so slightly, okay? Maybe we're bringing down a hump ever so slightly. Those are usually some of the easiest recoveries. Um, I still will place a thermoplastic splint on the outside to try to inhibit swelling from sure. occurring, right? But once you get to an open rhinoplasty where we're really, let's say someone comes in with a very twisted nose or uh, we're really doing a lot of work, I prefer the open approach because I can see the infrastructure of the nose completely corrected to the way I want it, and then we simply close the skin, and that scar should heal to the point where it's imperceptible, okay? And if it's not imperceptible, then we can talk about lasering and re or, or necessarily revising or doing whatever we need to do to make it so. Um, but when we start adding some of the internal work, so septoplasty, turbinate reduction. So turbinates, for anyone who doesn't know out there, they're little outpouchings on the inside of the nose, they humidify and heat the air. They're the reason why you don't get a brain freeze when you're skiing in Aspen every time you breathe through your nose. Um, but the idea is sometimes those turbinates can get very large and that obstructs an airway. And even if you have a large nose and you have no obstruction, if we're making it a small, cute nose, uh, we have to make the inside bigger, right? Because otherwise you're not going to be able to breathe at all. So, um, what usually happens once we do any internal work, at least what I do, is I will add silicone or silastic splints on the inside of the nose. And they essentially are uh, stitched through the, the septal uh, remnant or the septum uh, that's left over. And they have tubes in them so you can breathe. Now, um, depends how you're trained. Many ENTs, they love packing the nose, um, and it's great for eliminating any dead space. But the idea is that uh, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable uh, or a lot uncomfortable when you're removing that packing at one week. You're sore, you're swollen, uh, you feel miserable because you haven't been able to breathe at all. Uh, you know, for a certain period of time. And so I tend to think that the silastics or silicone splints uh, to, are, are more comfortable for patients. It allows you to breathe. Um, and you still have to keep the area clean, uh, you know, and you still can run into some complications with not fully packing the nose. Um, but I think most of the the, the complications are, are reduced by placing those. Um what you will feel afterwards is likely more pressure. If you have a severely deviated septum, 
what to expect in your uh, post-op recovery. Sometimes people have, they complain because their teeth hurt, their upper teeth. And the reason for that is because you have to imagine the floor of the nose is the roof of the mouth and they have very similar innervation. So the nerve supply is the same. Mm -hmm. So listen, if you're going to get it, the, the, the moral of the story is if you're going to have a lot of internal work versus just a tip plasty, your recovery will be slightly uh, more um, involved than just a simple tip plasty. So mm -hmm. we're going to expect you to have, uh, you know, if there's a lot of bony manipulation, you're, you're going to have some, um, some bruising around the eyes. You may have that. So these are all things to consider. So my recommendations, two days prior to surgery, start Arnica, little tabs that go under your tongue, and they remove, uh, reduce bruising and swelling, and then bromelain. Uh, you can either eat pineapple, uh, especially the core of the pineapple. You can blend up a smoothie with ice and water, or you take the supplements because the, that will help reduce bruising and swelling as well. So start two days before, take it one day before, and every day of the week of surgery, and that will really help reduce bruising and swelling. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, helpful tips to be more comfortable when sleeping on your back. Now, when we say that we want you to sleep with your head elevated, that does not mean that you sleep sitting up. No one's going to fall asleep sitting up. It's oh. honestly, it's one of the most miserable things in the world. And to me, not being able to sleep is much worse than having pain or discomfort. So I want you to visualize sleeping in a lazy boy chair that's been kicked all the way back. You know your head's above heart level. If you want a particular degree, sometimes we say 30 degrees, you do not have to sleep at 60 degrees. I mean, again, sleeping upright is never a, a fun thing. Um, other things that I would recommend is put a foam wedge behind your back or a neck pillow or uh, an airplane travel neck pillow or a weighted blanket, uh, pillows all the way around the body and under the knees. Because when your body's in that ergonomic lazy boy position, believe it or not, it's so comfortable and uh, it alleviates some of the stress on the lower back. And so um, sometimes what I say is if you're having difficulty sleeping because you know, I tend to give my patients a, a steroid pack afterwards to really force the reduction of swelling. And sometimes it makes you a little jittery. And so uh, I would say you can take Benadryl. So that is uh, 25 milligrams every evening uh, as necessary. And if that doesn't work, go ahead and double it up. I know that they say 25 is, is their recommended dose, but you can double it up to 50 and it's completely safe and healthy. And then, um, you know, you're going to have a bedtime ritual that week. You essentially want to make sure that you're in a calming atmosphere. And I know everybody wants to prop themselves up in bed and just watch TV. Do that during the day, but at night, try to avoid doing that. Sometimes it's hard for the brain to shut off, especially post-surgical. And so you want to get into that nighttime routine I often recommend one little, uh, as you're laying there, kind of going through a guided meditation, and most of the time that kind of resets and, and, and lowers the thought process and really gets you ready for bed. What about what to eat? Is there, like, so, so somebody mm -hmm. has rhinoplasty, because, again, 
for when I do breast surgery, it doesn't really doesn't matter. I mean, you tell people not to eat spicy foods after anesthesia for the day. Sure. But generally speaking, you do the breast dog, they go home, they're like, oh, that felt like nothing. Thanks. Have a nice day. Yep. With rhinoplasty, it's very different. Mm. Um, what should they eat? I usually recommend a blander diet, you know, at least a low salt diet. Here's the thing, you know, for the first week, obviously, you're not going to have alcohol, you're not going to have coffee, things like that. I know many of you coffee drinkers are groaning right now, but the idea is coffee has caffeine. Same thing with tea has theophylline. And what it does is it temporarily increases blood pressure. The last thing you need is for a tiny little clot to blow off of a little uh, vein or artery, and all of a sudden, you've got a whole different ball game here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so avoid those things the first week. But a low-salt diet, again, salt causes swelling. That's why, listen, you, you, you have salty food. You, you know, the, the combo, the real combo is this. You go eat at a fast food restaurant full of salt. Then after you've had multiple drinks, and that next morning, you, anyone out there knows that it's hard to get your ring off. Your feet are swollen. Can't your open your eyes. eyes are swollen. <laughs> so imagine what's going to happen to an area that's already inflamed, uh, you know, and full of edema or, or tissue swelling. So keep it simple, guys. Bland diets. Yep. I tell people, you know, even it's going to be even hard to chew. This is the one thing that I, I've heard Dr. Lakey say to people. Mm. It feels weird because your teeth are sensitive. So don't go get yourself a steak to eat the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. You're not Soups, eating an apple. Smoothies. Mm. Things are very simple. Um, again, I, I don't think most people that have rhinoplasties should have this big appetite after anyway. So, but that's, that's really in a nutshell, yeah. what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah. I would stick to softer foods. Um, you know, it's, it's applesauce, mashed potatoes, bananas. Um, and then you can have soups and, and, and pastas, things like that. Um, and then as you feel more comfortable and, and I don't recommend drink, drinking out of a straw, even if you have a smoothie, I recommend a spoon because Smart. imagine just purse your lips mm-hmm. as you pretend you're drinking from a straw. Imagine that you're pulling against the nose. It's not going to feel very good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to pull, you know, especially for a smoothie, you got to pull strongly. Yeah. Um, and so I would say still eat with a spoon. It just makes it easier on you. Makes it easy. Now, what about somebody who's got migraines? This is something mm. that I'm kind of question Rob because I get this question sometimes yes I have migraines just had a rhinoplasty you just broke my nose literally and put the bones back together the only thing that fixes my migraines is aspirin I need to take aspirin yeah this or is, Advil this is one of those really difficult things because you know it can be disastrous in a facelift mm-hmm. um, and, because I, I I remember uh, one of our colleagues she performed a face yeah. and neck lift. Yeah. The patient had migraines, went to the ER, and they loaded her up with, um, you know. Caffeine they, and they, aspirin. And, and, <laughs> and, yeah, they gave her uh, these these migraine medicines that ultimately are like, you know, yeah. taking ibuprofen, yeah. and they affect your platelets. So she bled, mm-hmm. bruised, and it ultimately affected the results. Um, you cannot take these things. So the idea is... Get comfortable with taking a thousand milligrams of Tylenol mm-hmm. or your pain medicine to help quell that. And then use some of the other techniques, rubbing the temples in the back of the head. Um, you know, so have a family member give you that head massage. Um, the idea is ice compresses, anything to help reduce some of the inflammation. Turn down the lights, mm-hmm. lay down because. 
to just at all it takes is one aspirin or ibuprofen and your 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 post op recovery just changed to a complex one and so but this is a very important uh point that you you, you just uh, uh hammered home here so um i think one of the other things that i think is really important coming out of uh surgery is that many people get post-surgery blues. You feel blah. Yeah. The it sometimes is a combination of the narcotics you've received from surgery, the pain, the discomfort, the sure. pressure, and it's it's really interesting because some people have depression. Some people See, I have, have the opposite after breast augmentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very happy. Very true. No, but it's very true. Think about think about if you had to sit at home with a cast on your nose feeling stuffy and you don't get to see what it looks like. And then once you even take it off, it's swollen. Yeah. You're like, oh, what did I do to myself? Yeah. Because you have is, to be patient yeah. after surgery like this. You're looking in your you're looking in the mirror and on post-up day two or three, your eyes are swollen and you said, what have I just done? Yeah. And you've got guilt and regret, anxiety, mood swings, all of these different things, mm-hmm. you know. You're irritated, irritable because yep. you, you just don't feel well. And so you take it out on family. And this is all normal after surgery, mm-hmm. especially for the first few weeks. And it, listen, it can be disorienting to see a new face in front of the mirror. Now, when you're 16, you've only had your true adult nose just for a couple of years. It's much easier to switch over. So when that cast comes off and you see it, and oh my goodness, it looks beautiful. Um you have this done at 40, and it will take you uh, a good week to two weeks for you to uh, become adjusted to the nose. doesn't matter if it's absolutely gorgeous because there are some changes you're not used to, especially I see this a lot with patients who, let's say they have a drooping tip, and you raise it, even it's to the perfect, beautiful angle, um, they immediately think, oh, my gosh, it's upturned a little uh-huh. bit. Now, you have to understand that the tip is going to drop a little bit. And so the the idea is it'll settle. Um, and you can you can find this. Patients are talking about this all over the place. Reddit, TikTok, YouTube. They all talk about how the fact that when the splint first comes off, yes, it's beautiful, but it might be a little upturned. Um, it's going to settle ever so slightly just because imagine a half-filled balloon. Now you fill it up. That's the swelling. What happens? It raises up, and then as the swelling goes down, it's it tends mm-hmm. to shift into its uh, its eventual position. And so, I think here's the thing: whatever issues you have, you should have an open and direct uh, line of communication with your surgeon. You're gonna figure out right off the bat when you have your consultation and whether that's gonna be possible. Some surgeons feel that you are uh, you should be separated from them. And so uh, what that means is that they perform an operation, they are the expert, and so they know, you know what's best for you. Um, but you'll know right in the consultation because they should be listening to your input, your uh, inspo photos, um, you know, and what your ultimate outcomes are. Now, 
if what you're saying is different from the photos that what you're showing, mm-hmm. you know, you see this in breast surgery all the, all time. the time. You'll they'll all say, the "Listen, time. I want to look natural," and then they'll show you pictures of someone who's got double D's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we have to come to the realization everybody lands on the same page. That's why I use the Vectra simulator because mm-hmm. I show them what I think the goal should be. And they either like it or they don't. Yes. You know, this is... When Which some, is important because you need to be on the same page because if you're not, it's going to be a real disaster. Oh, man. It's just one of those things where, you know, listen, I always say the same thing. Um, every surgeon has their own aesthetic, especially when it comes to noses. You know, you, you've you seen uh, Instagram and with these upturned, pinched, uh, you know, although they can look great on certain individuals, uh, for the general public, it's not going to stand mm-hmm. the test of time. Right. Um, and so you'll get an idea looking at some of the before and afters, uh, you know, which will really show you whether or not it looks natural or if some people want that overdone look. Um, I tend to prefer the natural look, and so I create that in the simulation. Now, I always say the same thing. If you see what I create and you don't like it, <laughs> run, right. because that's what looks good to me. I completely agreed. Are there any other pro tips? Now, the first week's always difficult, but what about, you know, the next five weeks mm-hmm. leading up to, because normally what we say is at six weeks, we're going to let you do just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what about those next five weeks for people that are very active, that you don't want them to exercise? For people who, you know, there's a lot of things that people think that they're just going to go right back to real life, but it's not like that because yep. you just had major surgery and we want to make sure that it heals okay yeah and we want to keep your sanity as well yeah um i always say the same thing at two weeks it's okay for you to gently blow your nose gently this is not a farmer blow this is gently blow your nose okay um i think that at four weeks it's okay to wear glasses sunglasses and exercise now depending on the level of work if i can get you into exercising a little earlier i will but the reason for that again the last thing you want is to do strenuous exercise, get your heart rate up and it pops off a little clot and then you bleed and your beautiful nose now uh, has been affected or you have to go back mm-hmm. to surgery to drain a hematoma. So, and then at that point, um, at six weeks, you're you're pretty much event ready. You know, it's not the final appearance, but 70% of the swelling's gone and so you should look pretty good. People with thick nose, thick thick skin, um, you know that's that's going to be closer to three to six months, you know, before you start really seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I I think that um, in those five weeks, you know, one thing that's really helped for me is I use the Mirror Me 3D platform. This is a uh, these are clear acrylic custom made splints using the simulation that we created on the Vectra um, and essentially molds your nose into its new shape and position. And so to me, it prevents swelling and even can help mold the nose, squeeze out some of that tissue fluid. So uh, honestly, it's worked well in my practice. And it looks aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's clear acrylic. It's like adjustable trays for the teeth. So, you you know, you can take it on and off and stuff like that. Um, Things to remember, I think... Red light therapy will help with anxiety, depression, and inflammation, so that's always a great thing. Uh, Hyperbarics is wonderful for post-rhinoplasty. Sometimes it's a little difficult to lay flat, um, and so you just ask them for an extra pillow, but that hyperbarics will really help with Mm -hmm. swelling, especially those with uh, very thick skin. Um, You can use your ice roller to calm your system, and so for many people, they have those little rollers. You stick it in the 
freezer and then you bring it out and roll your forehead and your face and that'll help with lymphatic drainage. And so um, that's always great. And then get outside, sit in the morning sunshine. Even if you've got a hat on, get out there, you, you know. Go again, for a walk. Yeah, listen, you know? I think, um, you know, if you want to wear a hoodie and just kind of walk up and down the block, we're not saying go for a, an hour-long hike, but the idea is just to, uh, you know, get the blood pumping a little bit and, and make you feel like you're not in prison. And then... Um, Drink plenty of water, flush the anesthesia out of the body. Um, avoid Again, avoid processed sugars, salts, things like that. Take a probiotic because some, t- some of the narcotics are really going to uh, affect your system as well as antibiotics. Um, and then uh, take your vitamins. I mean, the idea is, uh, you know, if you take your vitamin D3, your K2, your, uh, your B complexes, and even a B12 in there is always a, a great thing. Well, you want to you want to do everything you can to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. So you know, I would I would just eat clean, uh, get as much sleep as you can, and like you said, you got to put yourself in a good mental frame. You know, so so you're not you don't have stressors. Try to make yourself not anxious. Um, and again, it's it's easy easier said than done. However. If you can actually get these things ready, knowing that it's coming up to surgery time and making sure that there aren't going to be any stressors, life is life and sometimes you can't, you know, can't avoid it. But if you can make it so you can have the best chance of healing well, then I think that's the way to do it. Definitely. And again, each surgeon is going to have a different, you know, 15 points of how to recover Mm -hmm. from spinoplasty or from any surgery. And but they're all generally the same. Yeah. Listen, the principles are the same. Here's what I would say for any of you that are undergoing rhinoplasty or considering undergoing rhinoplasty. Um, I would be very concerned if you didn't have a detailed preoperative plan for post-op recovery. Uh, Because the idea is you want the surgeon making you aware of what's necessary to achieve the, the best possible result. It's actually really important what he just said because... It's one of the procedures that have the highest revision rates. Mm -hmm. And it's because, it's not because the surgeons are all bad, okay? That's probably a part of it. But but realistically, it's because that something went wrong in the recovery period, or you didn't follow all of your post-operative protocols, or you got back to activity too quickly. It's gotta heal. Imagine everything's millimeters with the nose. Unlike Mm -hmm. a breast surgery or even a facelift, this is very different. If something heals a little off with your lower lateral cartilage on the right side versus your left side, your nose is going to look completely off. So stick to the post-operative regimen, six weeks, even three months, just to make sure it's perfect so you don't have to worry about it and get it done again. Definitely. Listen, hopefully you learned something. Uh, if anyone has any questions about their potential surgery or what they should do pre and post, um, I'm happy to answer them. Obviously, you can reach out to us. And also make sure that you listen to your surgeon because they're going to tell you. If they are not giving you instructions, ask them. I want you to be well prepared. So hopefully you learned something. Keep sending in your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube or TikTok. Forever Young. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.